The Full 60 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NHL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And the beauty of Game Time, it's not just sporting events that you can get tickets to. They have concerts, they have plays, they have, right now I was looking, they have tickets to something called Jurassic World Live, which sounds pretty great for someone who has an 11-year-old son who would probably love to see like dinosaurs attacking people, which I just have to assume that's what that is. Um, it's at Little Caesars Arena coming up in a few days. 27 bucks to go see that in, on Game Time right now. And it's all done with their super easy two-tap checkout. Two taps gets you what you need there. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to The Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know one of my favorite questions to ask is what people are reading, mostly because I just want to steal ideas and then go get those books or add them to my Goodreads want list. And that question ended up leading to a story I recently did for The Athletic. I hope you saw it, where I asked well over 100 people in hockey to list or to share the best book they've read in the last year and why. And it led to some fascinating answers from Gary Bettman, Don Fear, Sidney Crosby, you know, some of the biggest names, people in kind of all walks of life in hockey. And it was a lot of fun to do. For selfish reasons, because it really <laughs> gave me some great ideas on books to read. Um, but also something interesting happened when I was asking people. A An author um, kept coming up, and that author was Ryan Holiday. And multiple people in hockey mentioned Ryan Holiday books. Not just the same book. It was, it was various books written by Ryan. Um, for instance... Greg Powers, who was on this podcast, he's the Arizona State hockey coach who launched that hockey program, uh, listed The Obstacle is the Way, and, and has said in the past, like, this is a book that has been influential in building that program. I mean, they have a lot of obstacles to building hockey in the desert, um, and it's worked out great there, and he credits some of the concepts in that book. Um, Brian McClellan, the Washington Capitals GM. Uh, Stanley Cup winner also listed the obstacles away. Bob McKenzie, who you all know, um, TSN insider, not only did he list a Ryan Holiday book, he listed a book that he hadn't even read yet. And he said, Stillness is the Key, uh, which came out, I want to say, in October by Ryan Holiday. It, he said he can't wait to read it. He has so much faith in Ryan's books that he knows it'll be the best thing he, he's going to read. And so I'm like, I, I wonder if Ryan realizes the impact he's having on the hockey world and um you know on the sport sporting landscape at large and ryan's a busy guy like this isn't a guy that's uh, doing a, a ton of interviews i mean he's got a lot going on and was with help from uh producer tyler hunt we were able to to nail down a time and get him after he just had returned from a trip to europe Get him on the podcast. But before we get to that conversation with Ryan, and I'm, I'm excited about it for a lot of reasons, um, you know, I think primarily because I'm also a writer and I'm anytime you can pick the brain of somebody as successful as Ryan, it's a, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to share Sam Gagne, the Edmonton Oilers forward, listed Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacles Away, as the best book he read. And I wanted you to listen to Sam's answer. Um, I, I taped it and I apologize. This was a dressing room interview, but I just, it gives you a hint of, of why people in hockey like these books so much. So before we get to the conversation with Ryan, let's listen to Sam Gagne explain why he loved that book so much. The obstacle is the way. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. good. The Ryan Holiday book. Yeah. 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 What did you like about it? Um, I just, I thought it was, um, 
just the real life examples that he showed of, of people turning um, what seemed to be obstacles into kind of springboards for their success. Um, you know, I thought a lot of the stories were really interesting, and uh, you know, I think uh, some of the self-help books you read or whatever, they, that genre, if you want to call it that, um, uh, I, I don't think. You know, I just I think the real life examples of uh, you know and in, in past history and of stoicism, I thought it was I just thought it was really interesting. And, yeah. Um, you know, I find myself uh, in some of the challenges I go through in my in my life uh, referencing that book a lot, and and uh, it, it comes up a lot. So it's I, you know, all all his books actually. I've read them all. They're they're really interesting, and it's a great way of uh, putting the stories together. So before we get to the interview with Ryan, because this is such a unique, this is kind of an outside-of-the-world-of-hockey conversation, I want to give you a really quick background on Ryan. He's an author who has taken kind of these ancient Stoic philosophies and and translate them, translate them, not translated, I mean, and kind of brought them into modern thinking and and how we can apply them to everyday life. And clearly it's making its impact on the hockey world because so many people in the hockey community are sharing these books. Um, he's he's speaking to different sp- sports teams. Uh, I think the New England Patriots um, were one of the first, and he mentions that and tells that story about the book being passed around that that locker room, and it's now happening in hockey. And he, while he hasn't spoken to any NHL teams in person, I'm sure that is just a matter of time. So he's his books that are along these lines are most recently Stillness is the Key. He's also written Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way, and also The Daily Stoic, which um, Sharks broadcaster Jamie Baker highlighted as one of his favorite reads and something that he is constantly referring to um, in his life. And so before that, Ryan Holiday wrote, when we get into this a little bit, he wrote a book, Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. So it's an interesting transition from somebody that openly talked about how he manipulated mass media um, to his benefit and has now transitioned into somebody who really is taking on these kind of ancient philosophies and writing them in a way that is appealing to mass audiences. So a lot of ground to cover, not necessarily a hockey conversation, but essentially it is because it's making its impact in the hockey world. And I think there's a lot we can apply from this conversation. So I'm really excited to bring this interview to you, to expose you to some of his thoughts, and just to give you access to somebody who is clearly making an impact in the world that we care about, in the, in the hockey in the hockey corner of the athletic universe. So here it is, the Full 60 Conversation with author Ryan Holiday. All right. Well, then let's let's dive right in. And yeah. I wanted to have you on as I said in the message because um you know, we did I did this this basically I asked 100 people in hockey what the best book they've read in the last year and sure. it, it essentially became this Ryan Holiday fest. And I don't I'm not sure I saw that coming to be honest. Not, you know. Um and, and then to say, when, my, my publisher did not uh, did not see it coming either uh, when I first wanted to write books about ancient philosophy. That's right. Like, uh, did you have any indication or like hint that this would become such a phenomenon in sports? Uh, not not really. Uh, I mean, look, it is interesting. One of the one of the very early Stokes was a was a like basically an Olympic level uh, long distance runner and. You know, the Stokes were into wrestling and boxing and things like that. But uh, when I was writing the books, I was primarily thinking about business uh, because there is sort of a history of kind of like, you know, CEOs read The Art of War and The Prince and and Mm -hmm. The 48 Laws of Power and books like that. So I was kind of thinking of that. Um, But uh, the sports thing was a surprise. What ended up happening was um, a – Someone who worked in the front office for the New England Patriots, uh, Mike Lombardi, yeah. read The Obstacles of the Way when it came out, and he sort of kicked off the whole uh, the whole thing. I mean, there were some other people, a- Andy McKay, who's a performance uh, coach for the for, for for a bunch of different baseball teams, sort of was a was an early person, but it kind of bounced around a bunch of different leagues, and then over the last couple of years, it's just uh, been sort of a word of mouth thing. 
Right. And so I saw like you you now speak to sports franchises. So I got to ask first because this is a large hockey audience. Do you have you done any NHL teams? Have you spoken to any I've, NHL I've teams? I've never I've never spoken to an 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 NHL team. Uh I've I've heard from a, a lot of different players and coaches and and uh sort of people in the hockey world, but for whatever reason that is that is I think the one the one that I haven't spoken to. That's funny. So I saw that a clip when I was kind of just doing some research for this of you talking to the Cleveland Browns fairly recently. Yeah. It looked like what? What? So when you go in and you're talking to a team of athletes and you're referring stuff that's yeah, thousands of years old, like what, what's what's the approach there to make sure there's a connection? Well, actually, I, I got advice from an, another author who I'm sure was was on your list, John Gordon, mm-hmm. um, and and John was saying he's like, look, these are very busy people. They yeah. have uh, all. all all day is them sitting there and people throwing stuff at them that they have to memorize. So he's like, look, if you can give them one or two things that they can use in the course of a season, you've, right. you've sort of done your job. And so, yeah, talking to coaches and players is a different thing. What, what I sort of focus on is I go like, okay, I'm a nerd about philosophy. I'm fascinated with this. I totally get that you aren't. Let me give you like, here are like five things boiled down to their absolute essence that I think you might be able to remember when you're bone ass tired, when, you know, people are, people are criticizing you or, or that you can remember, you know, right before, you know, you're about to, to sort of, you know, play the game of your life. Like what are, what are the things that, that, that have stood the test of time as far as like, you know, uh, insights uh, of the human, of the human species, What, what, what can you, well, what can I give you? And that's sort of what I what I think about. So the one the clip I saw, it was it was essentially control the things you can control, which I hear a lot from athletes, right? Like that's yeah. was that is that one of the kind of the go tos on that front? Yeah, what what I was talking about there. So in stoicism, there is this exercise. It's called the dichotomy of control, and it's really sort of breaking things down uh, into two categories: what's up to you and what's not up to you. And basically, your thoughts, your opinions, your actions; these are up to you. The mm-hmm. results of those actions, other people's opinions, what other people say, what other people do, none of that is up to you. And so, you know, it, it's certainly a, a thing athletes would have grown up hearing their whole life, like, you know, focus on what you control, <laughs> right, you know. Right. But, but I think there's something powerful in realizing, like, oh, this isn't something that your coach just made up to shut you up, right? Or, you know, this, this isn't just a thing that's really easy for someone on the sidelines to say, but doesn't actually mean. Uh, right. what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, hey, look, you know, Marcus Aurelius came up with this 2,000 years ago, or Epictetus, right. uh, who was a, a former slave, he's talking about this, and he's talking about it in situations that are even, that, that are much higher stakes than, than, than the sort of cushy world that we all live in. Yeah. And and so kind of what I try to do in in my writing and in my in my uh speeches is just illustrate these ideas in in stories uh that that are likely to 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 stick with someone um, cuz again I I nerd out that oh this is Marcus Aurelius and this is what they were doing in ancient Greece or ancient Rome yeah. but but you know if I'm a if I'm an athlete and I'm just listening to an audiobook before I fall asleep on a plane like uh, that's a that's a different context so it's funny you mentioned. So one of the players mentioned meditations as the book, the, the best book they've read, and I'm sitting there going, "This wow. is a book that was written in 170 A.D." And uh-huh. here is a hockey player saying, "Yeah, that's the one that spoke to the most." And I'm sure you, it was a, a result of you know, on some level, probably your work. I, I have to imagine. I mean, I would be very flattered if the, if if that's the case. I mean, it's I, so. I just got back from. I was in Budapest last week. I was giving a talk, and and Marx really actually writes a a large chunk of, of meditations in, in Budapest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you don't think the Roman Empire, uh, you know, uh, Hungary, but, but that's as big as it was. And it was incredible. You, know, you can walk through these Roman ruins and uh, walk the streets where this guy wrote this, this book 2,000 years ago. And, and you can, you know, it's, you realize, like, people are people and experiences are experiences. And the the journaling done in you know the morning or the the evening by a guy who was wealthy and powerful and stressed and ambitious and you know had stuff to do and was surrounded by 
difficult people and, and, you know, had all these conflicting urges and desires, like you realize like, oh, he's not that different than us, that we're all kind of doing the same thing. And I think at the core of philosophy is just an exploration of the sort of the struggles of the, of the human condition. Was your trip, was your trip to go to experience that firsthand or was this, was it speaking engagements or what was kind of the motivation? I was was given a talk in, in, uh, in Budapest and, and, uh, I I went up to, to, to go see this stuff. And I mean, like you can, it was, it was crazy. Like I I went to this, uh, this sort of bathhouse and you can, you can, uh, like, get in a hot spring that's like the same hot spring that the Romans were using 2000 years ago. So like the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, and I, that's what I think is even interesting about, you know, the Stoics and sports. It's like, I, I, I walked out onto the field of a, of a Roman amphitheater mm. um, where they would have wa- where they were waging athletic contests 2000 years ago. And it's like, it, you walk up the stairs, you walk through a tunnel and then you're on a field and you're surrounded by people like it's nothing has changed right like the only thing that has changed is that is that uh you can't literally kill your opponent anymore right like the the whatever an an nhl player would be experiencing from the roar of a crowd and the the thrill of competition and the drive to compete and win like has not changed uh from you know, the races that Chrysippus was running, you know, in, in, in Athens in, you know, 100 BC. Um, where, when did you start getting into all of this? Like what drive, what, what drive that, drives that passion for you? I, w- I, was in, I was in college and I was studying philosophy, but I, I went to this conference and uh, so, sort of like, uh, like you were doing where you're asking people what they were reading. Yeah. I, I asked. I was at this conference, and and Dr. Drew was there. Do you know who Dr. Drew? Is? Oh yeah, yeah, like the yeah, Dr. Drew. Yeah, and, yeah, Adam and all that. So I, I was like, hey, uh, like you're really smart. What what books are you reading? And uh, and he was like, oh, I'm reading, you know, this book by this uh, this this uh, you know Greek slave Epictetus. And I went back to my hotel room and I bought that. And then Marcus Aurelius was recommended also, and I bought that because I'd seen the movie Gladiator, and uh, <laughs> that was it. That's amazing. And yeah, it was crazy. And you dropped out, right? Like you, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Do we blame the Stoics? No, no, (laughs) I I would never do such a thing. Uh, like about a, about a year later, I I got a chance to, to be a research assistant for a writer. So I actually kind of talk about that when I talk about sports teams, I I sort of say like, like, you know, I was sort of, uh, 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 you know, a two and done player. Um, although the, uh, the economics of going pro as a writer are, you know, considerably less exciting than, uh, than, you know, going, going from the college, going from college to the pros and basically any professional sport. Yeah. No, right. Right. I don't, yeah. Two and done into the writing world is a risky proposition. Um, yeah. Well, no. And then just, uh, you know, what you get paid is, uh, you right. know, <laughs> 10 years earnings is like a, a rookie signing bonus in the NFL. But what I think people can pull from your experience in kind of this world, in the NHL and the athletic world, is so you, my understanding, and you can tell the story, but is it was to learn from somebody else, right? It was to go to apprentice yeah. another writer. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically was like, oh, if I want to be a writer, why am I learning about writing from teachers? I should be learning from people who are actually not just doing it, but doing it at the level that I want to do it. So I, mm. I worked for a guy named Robert Green who wrote called the 48 laws of power and he wrote a book called mastery um, which actually may have been on some of those books may have been on on the list uh of the players yeah. i think he's one of the sort of great nonfiction writers of our time yeah and w- like what was the biggest thing you learned from robert well i mean what i what i mostly learned was was like process right like mm. oh this is this is how a book is made like from start to finish i think yeah. a, a lot of people and it's probably true of sports also but you know, you watch these things on TV or you see the finished product and you think that, oh, this is just like a, this is sort of inspiration is what creates that or just like, you know, passion is what makes this. And it's like, actually, no, this is a methodical sort of iterative process to which these things are built, you know, right. like, um, and, and so, yeah, when I, when I hear, you know, coaches talk about following the process, I relate to that as a writer because it's like, yeah, like a book starts as one index card and, you know, ends up as, you know, 60 or 70,000 words. 
right. and and then you and then you start from scratch, you know, the next day when when after you publish it, right? And it's just this like you you almost kind of you almost become kind of addicted addicted to the grind of it or the, the, the process of it. You really start from scratch the next day. You don't give yourself like two days to celebrate. I mean, yeah, th- th- this book came out the October first, and I'm you know I'm I'm in the middle of the next one. Are you really? Oh my gosh, Ryan, jeez. Um, uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not quite saving. You know, like stepping out of uh, you know uh, celebration dinners to make recruiting calls. But I I I really like the. I really like writing. Like pu- to me, publishing is like what happens as the byproduct of the writing. Um, and so I I just, I love doing it. And, and weirdly, like, like when obstacle came out, like it did not, it it did okay. Uh, but it did not like blow the doors off and it didn't really start landing in sports for probably eight or nine months after it came out. And it really Mm. didn't start taking off for probably a year. So, so one of the benefits of, you know, I, I started ego as the enemy almost immediately after ego came out. So, or after obstacle came out. So instead of sitting there thinking like, Oh, this is so sad. Why am I not selling? You know, I'm not getting the respect I deserve or, you know, any of those sort of un- destructive thoughts. I was more thinking like, Oh, I got to write chapter three today. Right. And that's fascinating. And so, so is your next book and I want to talk about stillness is the key in a second, but is the next one along the same kind of vein? Like, is this become like the, the path you're con- continuing down? Yeah, so I, I wrote a book called uh, The Daily Stoic a few years ago. That's like yeah. one page of Stoic philosophy every day. And so this is a the, the one I'm working on. I, I have a series that I'll do after this, but but uh, I'm doing a book that's like a biography of of all of the major Stoics. So it's like sort of bite-sized biographies of all the different characters in in Stoicism. Right. All right. So I want to ask you. So in looking at kind of the path that you've taken like there's definitely like a turn in your career right like where this became the focus and part of me is like as a because I'm in media and I and we're trained to be skeptical I'm like okay here's someone that's writing about media manipulation or whatever early on so I'm wondering hey maybe this guy just found something he's he thinks works versus like whether or not like how much of it was that and how much of it was okay I'm finally doing what I want to be doing yeah, so it, it's actually funny. So I actually got approached in, I wrote the first thing I ever published about Stoicism in probably like 2009. Okay. Um, and it was online. I, I wrote it for, for Tim Ferriss' website. And so I actually got someone reached out and they said, hey, we, you know, we love this. Do you want to write a book about, uh, about Stoic philosophy? And I said, uh, yes, are you, are you kidding me? This would be amazing. Um, and I remember I went to Robert Greene and I said, you know, Robert, I got this chance to write this book. What do you think? And he's like, I don't think you're ready. Uh, you should hmm. say no. And and he was right. I, I was not remotely ready to do the book. And so I my day job at the time was, was, was in marketing. And so I went on and did the marketing stuff for another couple of years. And I ended up writing this book, Trust Me, I'm Lying, that was kind of an expose of the media system and certainly not a flattering portrait of myself either. But the, the idea was not... Uh, uh, the idea was I was writing this mark. I was writing this media book as as a sort of a turning point in my career. Of that, like I'm writing this book to be done with this sort of phase in my life, mm. and now I want to go back to the thing that I've always written about that I'm really interested in writing about, which is ancient philosophy. Um, it, it did strike me as funny at the time, and and I still get it every once in a while where people are like sort of like, oh, you're just you know doing this to to make money, and it's like I I made a lot less money. On the op- my my advance for the obstacle is the way was less than half my advance yeah. for trust me I'm lying, uh, yeah. and and uh, you know like it let's say I was this sort of mercenary media manipulator who who will write about anything I can to make money it it strikes me as ridiculous that I, I would choose I would choose stoicism as the uh, <laughs> right. as, there's an as easier path yeah. <laughs> right what was what was Roberts when he says you're not ready, like what was the reason? I think he just meant like I was 23 years old or something, and and uh, I, I was still his researchers. I think I think he saw that both sort of uh, professionally and personally, I was it was too early for me in my sort of journey, and that you know more life experiences, more experience writing. Just, just even the timing of it. I mean, I, that book would have come out, you know, basically in the sort of teeth of the financial crisis. Right. 
you know, it, it just wouldn't, it, it was just totally right for a bunch of different reasons. If only the, just the discipline of having to wait probably. Um, so, so yeah, it was, I mean, and that's one of the benefits of having a, a mentor. You know, you can imagine you're a, you're an assistant coach and you get an offer to be a head coach. Uh, you'll never get a chance like this again. You have to say yes. Right. And, and when the, when the head coach says, no, I don't think you're ready. Are they saying it because they're professionally jealous? Are they right. saying it because they don't want to lose you? Or do they actually care about you and they can see that this is not the right opportunity for you? And, and I was very lucky that Robert was in a place where he really could see what was best. Hmm. Did, when did you know you were ready personally to take this on? Um, I, well, I mean, when I wrote my first book in 2012, I mean, one of the, one of the benefits there was like I'd, I'd done it. So now I knew I could do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I knew I could write a book. And I think I got better as a writer. I think I learned more. I think I learned more about the industry. Um, I'd also, you know, having written a book about a, you know, a topic where, where books don't usually sell well and having pulled it off, you know, I was in a, I was in a better position to succeed as well on, on, on obstacle. Yeah. So just, just to inform you and, and anyone listening. So the obstacle in the way was mentioned by a few people, including Brian McClellan and the GM of the Washington Capitals, who were two years off of Stanley Cup. So this is a guy that's, you know, reached the highest levels in hockey as a general manager. And I thought was just as interesting was Greg Powers, who basically started a hockey program at Arizona State in the desert and used yeah. that book as, in saying, look, we're, we're trying to sell hockey in the desert here. And we actually have a lot of advantages that people would say are disadvantages. And that became their theme. Like, I, th- I loved that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's so cool. And, and, I mean, you know, it's funny. You're writing this book about, you're writing about it, and you're mostly sort of trying to draw on your own experiences and in, then in, in, in history. And, and you hope that you're right. You know, like, obviously, as an author, you, you wouldn't be writing it if you didn't think you, you, your argument was correct. But then there's, there's something really special and I think really humbling once it comes out and you hear from people who have gone through things that are, you know, worse than what I've ever gone through or just done things at a level that, you know, I look up at and go, I can't believe you, you did that. And, yeah. and they're like, oh, you're, you, I used your book. And you're like, wow, like, you know, okay, it stood up under pretty good pressure. And, and I'm always right. like, that's, that's always like really cool for me to hear. What's, do you have a good story of that, uh, you know, in maybe in sports where someone just blew you away that you never would have guessed would have been impacted by it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the, the Patriots, sort of what kicked it off in sports is the Patriots on their way to the, that Super Bowl this, that, in 2014. And then uh, it's, I think it's, it's, it's primarily, though, as cool as the sports stuff are, you know, you hear from someone, you're like, hey, you know, like, I just found out I had cancer or mm. your book got me through having cancer or it got me through the loss of, of this or that, or, you know, um, I, I was lucky enough, I, I was in San Diego a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to, to, to a group of Marines. You know, you're, you're just, you, you realize that there are all these people doing all these really difficult things at different levels, um, but at the core, what they all share is a sort of a desire to get better, you know, like a desire to, to, to sort of compete and improve. And mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately why, sports as absurd and, you know, uh, enormous as they are, are so sort of universal and relatable is that, you know, elite performance is elite performance is elite performance. And, right. and to me, that's got to be why, you know, 2000, you know, uh, your old philosophy is resonating. Although actually, you know, I just, I just did think of a good example. Um, one, of the, one of the people I heard from on, on Obstacle was, was Ryan Shazier, the, the, the player on the Pittsburgh Steelers who got hit and was, mm-hmm. was more or less paralyzed, and he sort of inched his way back up to standing and walking and jogging, and, you know, who knows? I, I think he's, he, he, his dream is to, to maybe play one day again. But, but even the fact that he is now a mobile human being is just mm-hmm. like an incredible triumph of the human spirit. And, you know, you hear, um, oh, hey, I read your book, and, it, you know, someone gave it to me in the hospital, and you're just like, that's that 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 could not have been further like that could not have been more of a fanciful idea to me as I was writing that you know in my apartment in in 2013 that 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 this was the kind of conversation I'd be having about it that's pretty amazing i love that 
So, um, so stillness is the key is, is your most recent, which I I've read and this was, it was great. And Bob McKenzie, who on our list, he's a, he's a big hockey insider at TSN in Canada, recommended it and, and recommended it blind on the list, which I loved. He's like, look, I, all these other books by Ryan Holiday are great. This one's going to be great, which I loved. Um, and I wanted to ask you, there's, there was, what I like about these books is is there's stories that show these examples, right? And in this one, there was the Sean Green story, and I wanted yeah. to get your, you know, who kind of broke broke through a slump using some of these philosophies. Where, how do you identify which stories to put in, and and, and specifically to this one, like, where, how did you find the Sean Green story? How did that come across your plate? Yeah, so some somebody at the Texas Rangers, uh, Josh Boyd, actually recommended uh, that. Uh, Sean Green's book to me. He wrote a book called The Way of Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, Josh is also who told me about uh, Sadaharu Oh, um, yeah. a sort of very amazing but completely unknown home run hitter from, from Japan, maybe the, maybe the greatest home run hitter in, in the history of baseball, although he never played in, 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 the, in the major leagues here. Um, so I, I was just reading those books as, as someone who likes to read and someone who likes sports, but I kind of always have my eye open towards stories and and... And so I was just fascinated by by Sean Green's ability to sort of uh, quiet that voice in his head. And the, the the paradox of slums is like precisely when you're doing worse, uh, that's when the mind sort of turns against you and makes an already really difficult thing even harder. And so um, that, that story just struck me, uh, and and I sort of you know tucked it away. And and as I sat down to write about stillness. Um, they sort of come flooding back to you and I go to my notes and I sort of pull it together. And that, that was one of the chapters actually that I sort of built the whole book around. It was actually the the story that I used in the proposal that I sold the book. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah. so you mentioned, or, 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 I think I read it where you talk about your, your notes and pretty like in talk in terms of process, the note card system was, is that, is that the payoff when you have a, a process where you're reading something, you're putting a note and a note card and storing it or like, is that, is that still totally. a process? Yeah. No, that's what that's what I love. And and actually, you know, like I remember I still have it somewhere. Uh, you know, like the card where I wrote, you know, about the obstacle is the way. That, that first, you know, it's like I remember when that was one note card, right? And then it became two and then eight and, you know, 30 and, and then it filled up a box and then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start writing. And so, yeah, the just the accumulation of ideas and, and it's, but it's, it's the, you're reading a book and you're taking notes and then you're transferring the material and then you're looking at the material again and it's this and then you're re- referencing back to it when you're writing and it's this sort of constant you know I, I, maybe it's like for a coach it's like you're watching film and talking to players and watching film and talking to players and then you're in the shower and the idea for the play comes together or right. you know um Belichick on the uh, you know they're on the the five yard line in, in that Super Bowl and and the play they'd practiced uh, you know over and over again suddenly it's like this is the moment that this works and and mm. you know every, everything happens. Let me just pause this conversation with Ryan for a minute to share with you a great deal from a great company. If you're like me at all, sometimes you get so distracted with work or working late or going to sporting events or going to kids' events or taking your kids to hockey or violin lessons or all the crazy stuff that take up the day of somebody who's juggling a family or juggling a job that takes a lot of hours um, and you forget to eat, like literally, like there's days I'll go hours and I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten breakfast or lunch. And DoorDash is here to fix that. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. And ordering is super easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be, be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So I don't know where you live, but I feel like your percentages are really good of having DoorDash have a great restaurant where it is you live. And you might find a new favorite restaurant too by looking at their selections. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code FULL60. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code, code FULL60. So don't forget to save $5, 
download the app, put in the promo code FULL60, and you save $5 off your first order from DoorDash. All right, now back to that conversation with Ryan. So hockey players, I'm, I'm sure all athletes and coaches are this way, are so process-oriented to the point where they really try to train themselves not even to look at the result, right? Like it's yeah. so much about the process. It, how much of that is kind of in line with your philosophy? I mean, it, you, in, in a way, I'm, I'm almost jealous for sports, too, because, like, there is a clear – it's funny, they're so, foc- so process-focused, but then they, they're, like, one of the few areas in life that there actually is black-and-white results, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, as, as, like, writers, like, what is success? Is it how many views an article gets? Is it how many sales you get? Is it the bestseller list? Is it winning an award? You know, like, yeah. what, what is it, right? And so it's funny that sports, it's, like, one of the few black-and-white domains left in the world, and, and they're like, well, I'm just going to focus on results. But – I think you have to be because, like, look, like, even even in a great season, you lose, like, a lot. Like, the winningest coaches almost have all, almost always lost the most games as well, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, it, what, what makes them the best is that they've just done it for so long. Um, and so you, you, you do have to just sort of – you realize, like, there are games where you do everything right and you win. There are games where you do everything wrong and you win. And, right. and, and the reverse is true, too. So you, you have to instead focus on, like, did you, did you do all the things you were supposed to do? And I think right. as a writer, it's the same thing. Like, one of my books that I'm most proud of is sold the least amount of copies. But Which is I that? Wanna, I, I almost want to cling to that. Uh, I wrote this book called Conspiracy – which is about oh, yeah. uh, Peter Thiel's sort of war to destroy Gawker. Uh, to me, that's the that was the hardest book that I wrote. I think uh, it was it's my best writing. I think it's you know the the least predictable of my books, and it's done well. I mean, it's not a failure by any means, but it's like I do it didn't didn't sell as well as the one that came before or the one that came after. Um, but I almost want to like cherish that feeling that like I know that it's my best yeah. because I feel like there's something pure in that and and more process focused that one seems like it's more original reporting than any of the other books you did is that fair yeah, to say it's the first one i really had to interview people i yeah. mean, had to read like thousands of pages of legal documents yeah it was uh it was it was not an easy book by any means right right um so so to you what what constitutes success i think that's an interesting question yeah, and and you know I just sort of went through this with with stillness, right? Like, uh, so it came out the the first week, and and it, you would be insane. I don't think it's possible to be a hundred percent detached from results, right? Like, uh, <laughs> right. you you yeah. have you have to care if you're totally detached. Like, why would you even do it, right? Right. right. Um, but 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 I I tr- like let's say with my first book, you know, it was like I was ten percent. Uh, folk happy with the process, ninety percent looking to the results. I would, I would hope that I've gotten closer to flipping that ratio. And so, you know, like going into like the day before it came out, I'd like to think I hadn't. I'd taken ninety percent of the gains uh, off the table, or I'd banked them already. And then, you know, it, it ended up. You know, it, it sold the most uh, of my books, and it, it ended up debuting at number one on the New York Times list. But I. I tried to get to a place where that was like, oh, cool. Uh, where are we going for dinner? You know, um, right. like, and, and, and so it certainly mattered and I'm certainly going to frame it and put it on my wall, but I tried, I, I, I am trying to inch my way towards mostly being proud of what I know I was able to do, not what some external person said I did. Right. Does, does already having um, the success you have, maybe allow that more than 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like you can yeah, already sure. be like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd like to think that like if, com- if, if the confidence you have isn't based on evidence, like what's it based on? Right. You know? So, so I, yeah, I would, I would hope that the success has allowed, has allowed me to feel a bit more secure. Um, but I, but I, I think there are certainly people who, have had extraordinary amounts of success, but, but, but still, you know, you could knock them over with a feather because they're so <laughs> sort of, you know, uh, and Marcus, Marcus really talks about this in meditations. He says, you know, like s- insanity is tying, uh, your success to what other people are say, what other people say or do, you know, it's, it's tying it to 
like it's it's deciding that success is is something that that someone other than you controls, and mm-hmm. that's great provided you the the world is operating fairly, you know. But you know, I put out eight other books before this one that sold enough copies to hit the Times list, and they weren't there, and then we don't know why they weren't there, right? And yeah. maybe it was a glitch, maybe it was deliberate, but like it wasn't there. So like, I, that one of the reasons that I want to get to a place where my success is not determined by that is because I know what it feels like when it is. Mm-hmm. Marcus really just didn't have to deal with Twitter. So I feel like oh. I have an, an initial obstacle to deal with. No, of course. I mean, I, I cannot imagine uh, <laughs> w- like what they would think of these horrendous things. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. We, 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 give, we give people we don't like access you know, directly to our brain mm-hmm. and just the amount of people that, you know, I know they wake up and whether they're going to have a good day or not depends on whether, you know, Donald Trump tweeted something at, at, at three in the morning. Right. So that's one of the concepts you hit on in stillness is the key is, is don't, you know, don't wake right up and, you know, find a routine that's, that's not that. And, yes. and, and I think, and again, tying it to athletics, I think building a routine, like I think athletes, we just ran a story about Sidney Crosby, the Penguins captain, who's the most, you could say superstitious. He would say it's routine based. Does right. everything exactly the same? Like, how much have you found that to be part of the success of kind of high achievers? Yeah, Westbrook's a total nut about routine. I think I think they asked Nadal about his routine, and he's like, if it was if it was superstition, why would I do it even when I lose? Right. So right. Uh, yeah. It, it it's definitely routine. Um, I, I think I think it's about realizing that like you want to eliminate things that you even have to think about or worry about, right? Yeah. And, and that allows you to sort of lock in on the process. It allows you to lock into what's in front of you. And, and you know, it's, it, it is weird. Uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky just got in a bunch of trouble for saying they should turn off the TV and, like, the Bears locker room. But he's totally yeah. right. Like, wh- why are you watching TV? None of these people know what they're talking about. Like, uh, <laughs> Like of of any kind, like I was in a senator's office a couple months ago. And he's like watching Fox News, and it's like this isn't good for anyone. Right, right. Uh, right. Why why are you doing this? But but, <laughs> Please but we don't. feel we feel obligated. Yeah. Um, and then last concept I want to hit on with you in this book is entering relationships because I think teams are so team oriented. And when I talk to coaches, they I just had this conversation this morning with a coach, a Hall of Fame guy, who said, you know. The best teams he had and the biggest challenges the coach is taking, you know, a group of players, turning into a family and then letting them kind of turn loose themselves. And they end up coaching yeah. themselves because of those relationships. And it's I thought that was an interesting, if not like odd thing to tie into something about stillness. Right. Like, yeah. W- what is that relationship between building relationships and kind of having that stillness and that discipline? Well, it's it's weird because we think, you know, when you think of a monk or you think of a priest or you think of Buddha or these, these you know, the Dalai Lama, I don't think is married, right? Like yeah. we tend we tend to think of the really still people being sort of disconnected, and I don't know. To me, that seems very sad, and and maybe the wrong. Uh, it seems like the wrong way to go about it. I mean, to me, it's like as an ambitious person, as a driven person, as a person who's got things that are stressing me out or you know falling, you know, uh, falling in my lap all the time. It's actually having someone that you come home to or that you connect with, or it, it, you, the idea of doing this as an island seems, you know, in, insane to me. And so, yeah, in the book, I'm talking a little bit less about teammate relationships and more about sure. sort of like personal relationships. But I, I, it is interesting, sort of generationally, just the amount of people that I know that are just kind of adrift, right? Like they don't live anywhere. Their like their relationships are like whoever they recently met on some dating app. Um, right. You know they they don't work. They they work wherever they want to work. You know there's this like it just feels on the one hand it might feel nice because there's some control that you have over it, but it strikes me as sort of empty and lonely and and ultimately uh, sort of sad. And so I I I I think I think you I think rooting oneself in connections to other people is not just like a performance strategy, but it's sort of the only real reason we're here. I, 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 when I, when I talked to the, 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 the Browns and the Rams, and actually when I talked to the NFL owners meeting this year, I, I ended with this photo 
which you can look up is incredible. But uh, after that, you know, crushing loss in the NFC Championship game uh, last year, uh, off off that sort of blown call, there's yeah. a photo of Drew Brees in this in the stadium after in the Superdome after the game. Like you know, everyone leaves and then kind of like the players come out and meet like, you know, whoever was waiting, you know, whoever friends and family are waiting or they see their kids, you know, after they shower, you've probably witnessed that scene like a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's playing football with his kids on the field of the Superdome, the exact field where his heart was just broken and the season of his life was just taken from him. And in this photo, I think Diana Rossini took the photo, but, but he's, he's tying his son's shoe like he's sitting down and tying his son's shoe and nobody, you know, he's not doing it for the cameras. He doesn't know, but it's like, man, like I can't, like he, he came back to the present, like to real life so quick, uh, that it just, you know, I mean, it's amazing. And, and I'd like to think that, that that's, that serves him well winning or losing. And, and, uh, to me, that's kind of what you need. Do do you find that comes naturally? Like, I like I had to I, I realized that, and I had to be like intentional about it. I was like, I haven't met a new friend since the kid I met in, like in kindergarten. Like, my friends are like forty yeah. year old friendships, and I'm like, I have to surround myself with people and be very intentional about it. Yes, it, it's it's just really easy uh, to yeah. It's it, these these tools make it easier to not interact with people, and so yeah. I think as a writer, you kind of naturally have some introversion, and and so it, it can be exacerbated there. You're like, I'm talking to people, and it's like you're you're g chatting with people, and that's not quite <laughs> right. the same thing. Right? Yeah, on Slack all day doesn't mean you have yeah any meaningful yeah. relationships. Yeah, um, and yeah. and and how many of the how how many of the relationships you have are with people who who. Uh, share the same profession or, you know, like how often right. are you dealing with like regular people who, who don't care about what you do? Like those are the people that are best because it's less stressful because you're not talking about work or you're not ta- like, I totally, like, those are people. And like, I'm my wife, thankfully, like she's not into hockey. She's not into writing. Like she's barely has written anything, read anything I've ever written. Totally. And it's awesome. Like, I love that. <laughs> no, people go like, oh, is your wife a writer? And it's like, I don't know how there would possibly be room for two of me in a relationship. <laughs> it would be terrible. Right. Um, that's great. All right. Well, I'm going to I'll wrap it with the question that led to all this. It, OK. What is the best book you've read in the last year? That's the question I was asking everybody. And it became Ooh. this project. And now here we are. So what's your version of that? What's your best book in the last year? Yeah, there's a there's been a, a ton a ton of books. Uh, I'll I'll give one that I think people would would definitely like, uh, and I'm sure this is on your list a lot. I thought I thought David Epstein's book Range yeah, uh, so was, yeah. was was a spectacular book. I think it's a parenting book in disguise, uh, and it's just one of the, one of the best best things I've read in quite some time. Do you have kids? I do. Yeah. So so what did what did you find like applicable as a parent in that book? Well. I mean, for like, uh, y- your impulse is, is to do exactly what he said. It's like, oh, you got to start him really early on. You know, it's like uh, you got to do the Tiger Woods thing. Uh, my 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 oldest is only three, so I'm a little bit right. early on this. Yeah. But it's just realizing, like, oh, actually, like the job of a parent is to give your kid a broad swath of skills and a a framework or a base of competence from which once they reach sort of adulthood or, or, or sort of some level of, you know, uh, uh, peak, peak skill or sorry, peak performance, they can then decide to go all in on something, right. Mm -hmm. That you don't, you don't have to make that decision for them at three years old. And in fact, it's probably like the worst time you can make that decision. So so (laughs) one of the big things I took from that is just like, uh, uh, you could just take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Well, Ryan, I know you got a lot going on. You just came back from a big trip, so I really appreciate the time, man. No, thanks, man. Thank, thanks so much for, for reaching out, and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Cool. Take care. All right. Talk soon. Bye. I want to thank Ryan for joining the podcast. I would encourage you, if any of this conversation struck a, a nerve with you or really piqued your interest, go to ryanholiday.net. Check out his books. He's uh, a frequent blogger on there. There's you can sign up for an email from him. All that, 
all that good stuff where you can really tap into his philosophy, his writing. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's out there to try to help people. And, and if, if this is something you think you'd benefit from, I would definitely encourage you to check that out. I'm also in my hand, I'm holding a copy of his most recent book. Stillness is the key that is now available everywhere. I read it. I loved it. It's great. I am excited to go back now through his library and, and check out some of his books that he's written previously. Complete aside, speaking of his library, then we didn't get into this, but he has, he's a massive reader and he's, if you follow him on Instagram, he occasionally he'll post pictures of his library. He's just he, he's cultivating an incredible book collection. I, of course, if you know me, I, that's I love that. So um, a lot of fun to do. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks again to Ryan's team for coordinating this. He's a, a guy with a lot going on. So we we um, there was a lot of negotiation back and forth, and we were able to pull it off. So a huge thanks to everybody on on Ryan's side and to producer Tyler for setting that up. Before we wrap up, I want to give a sincere thank you to everybody who has given a review on Apple Podcasts. I know everybody like says this on their podcasts or whatever, and you're supposed to pump reviews, but like I just I just noticed that we crossed over 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts, five stars. It's that's that's incredible to me. You're taking time to do something um, that really helps me and helps grow the podcast. And it's invaluable, and it keeps this thing going. It allows us to get bigger guests. Uh, you know, it allows us to even expand. Like today's podcast with Ryan Holiday. Like, if if this doesn't have an audience, um, if this isn't something that is you know prominently placed in where people can get their podcasts with positive reviews, people like that aren't going to want to do it. And every time somebody leaves a review, it helps grow this audience, helps make the guests better, and makes it more entertaining for you. So uh, that's I want to sincerely thank everybody that has given a review to kind of cross that threshold. And if you haven't, and if you like this podcast, I would really encourage you to do so. It helps me out in, in a big way. And I want to highlight one uh, a review that came last week. I like this because I think it ca- captures things um, I appreciate it. It comes from Mark Scott Biz, who says it was a five star review. Who says Craig is awesome. He listens so well and doesn't try to dominate. I love it. <laughs> I think I don't know if that's backhanded for thank you for not talking, but I like I want this podcast to be a platform for people who are interesting and smart that you guys want to connect with. Um, give them an opportunity to do so without me getting in the way. Um, you know, which I do occasionally, but I do try to stay out of the way of the guests and let them share their insight. Like that's, this isn't about me. This is about them. And so, um, I, I really appreciated that from Mark. So thanks for doing that. And thank you for listening. Oh, one last thing. Um, we uploaded the John Chaika podcast from the archives onto the athletic app for any subscribers who want to give that one a listen. That's from a couple years ago, but it's still a great listen. Um, and we did it because John just signed a contract extension with the Coyotes, a team that is off to a nice start, and we thought it was timely to kind of get into his philosophy. So if you're a Coyotes fan or you're just interested in somebody who is the, you know, the youngest GM ever to, <laughs> to take over a team and is now seeing the fruits of his labor, you can get his backstory on that one. So make sure you download the Athletic app for subscribers who want to go listen to that All the other ones, um, all the current episodes are free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right, that's it. Thanks again to, to Ryan for joining the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great week.